A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. So, Trevor, we know you won a minor All Ireland, an under 21 All Ireland, two senior All Irelands, three All Stars, Footballer of the Year twice, played 47 championship games in a row, unbroken. But there's only one place that I want to start, and that's the sleeveless jerseys in 1999. Can you explain how this started? I'll try and be as brief as I can, Callum. Um, 99 at Easter, um, I was recovering from cruciate ligament uh, surgery, and uh, Ireland under 17s were going to Australia to play the, the compromise rules. And I was asked to be the physiotherapist, and I said, two weeks in Australia, lovely, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. When I was over there, I had bought a couple of the jerseys, like Essendon, St Kilda, you know, the short sleeve yeah, ones, yeah. and I used to wear them with training with Mead when when I came back then, and uh, the summer was a good one that year, and uh, night before the Leinster final, Ollie Murphy said to me, God, it'd be, be great if we'd sleeve the jerseys for the game tomorrow against Dublin, just for the, the crack, you know, and uh, just set me mind thinking, and I went home, and <laughs> she'd have a load of number 11 jerseys at home in the bag, and it and just cut the sleeves off and I said I'll go with that and that was it Right but you didn't you didn't use your own jersey the next day or did you cut one off the new jerseys that you'd get for that Leinster final? Yeah that's it you know you'd get a jersey every game you know so I had a, a number of key pack Bank of Ireland number 11s you know so uh, right. yeah it was just one I'd worn probably the, the previous day the semi-final and uh, cut the sleeves off and then uh, I didn't stick the jersey on to me until we were running out the tunnels and hoping to see. And uh, I suppose um, it was very unlike me. You know, that wasn't my, my style at all to, to stand out. Um, but I thought, see, I had in my head maybe you're in the in the toilets cutting the jersey before the game and all this kind of thing. But like, I mean, would, would it have been a distraction for the final to be, you know, hiding the jersey in your bag and not putting it on before the match? Do you know? 
know, you, you'd know yourself sometimes. You'd be warming up in the in the dressing room in the club park. You mightn't have your jersey on. It'd be warm. It'd be hot, you know. So yeah, yeah. we need to stick the jersey on, on before you go out, you know. Um, but I'd spent a few minutes at home the previous night, the Saturday night. And didn't make a brilliant job of it when I was <laughs> handy work. But, yeah, you left um, a bit of yellow. Left a bit of yellow or a kind of a band of yellow after the green, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't get any calls from Louis Copeland subsequently. <laughs> um asking me to, to join him but uh, yeah um, I suppose it was just very unlike me you know but I suppose the way I look at it I was coming back from cruciate ligament injury and I'd worked really really hard like I was putting in maybe four hours a day rehabilitation I really wanted to get back playing and uh, I'd missed the game and I was hungry you know and yeah. I suppose I just felt that year I have a load of work done here. I have more work done than any player in Ireland. You know, I've, I've worked harder. I've put more into it, and confidence was high. And I, but I, I felt just in that season, I, I can do this. That I can actually wear this jersey and still play really well. You know, so I'm not saying I had that confidence every year, but just that was me, my, my mindset um, at the time. Yeah, I used to, I used to pull my jersey. I never had the guts to cut the sleeves, but I'd, I'd roll them up. But that would distract me because they would fall down every now and then. It was a bit kind of annoying. But it's definitely more comfortable. <laughs> is that because on a hot day, the jersey is flapping around at your arm? It is a lot more comfortable. Like I mean, I'm surprised. Well, obviously the summers in Ireland don't kind of lend themselves to the Aussie rules type jerseys. Yeah, the jerseys were loose at that stage. They'd be loose on you, you know, and they were heavy enough, enough material. Um, but uh, we got two early frees from around the 21-yard line on the left, and I missed both of them. And, you Jesus. know, you're thinking, what an idiot you are, you know, <laughs> um, wearing a fancy jersey and, and missing simple frees. And then the third one I got was way over on the right. It was a way more difficult free. And, like, you know, at that stage, you're allowed to miss one or two. But if you miss three, well, then someone else is going to take the next one. So it was really pressure on. I managed to get the third one, and, and thankfully we went on to win the game, you know. But... There's, there's a risk to doing things like that. Yeah, and you obviously did it for practical reasons in the Leinster final. Then it was raining in the All Ireland final. It was more of a superstition, maybe, then that can continued it on until until the All Ireland final. Yeah, I played well eventually that day against Dublin, yeah. and then reasoned well against Armand the semi final. And you know, you kind of say, "Well, gee, I'm not going to change anything now." You know, um, yeah. even though it was a wet day for the All Ireland final. Um, you know, and then the county board and Sean were coming under pressure from the CCC, you know, that you have to, everyone has to be in uniform, you know, has to present themselves the same. Oh, for the parade and, and everything, yeah. That's the correct thing. I agree with that. And there was a fine issued for the first game and it was double the second game and it's going to be doubled again, you know. And then Sean did say to me, listen, you know, let's, let's just wear the normal jersey. And I kind of said, yeah, no problem, Sean, I will. And then I kind of, you know, went back on it then. I stuck on the... <laughs> the lucky jersey we'll call it and uh, it was the wrong thing to do you know man of Sean I'd given him my word you know and then I went back on it and you know even though we we won the All-Ireland you know I'd say he was a bit disappointed in me, in me for doing it and uh, you know part of me says uh, you know should have done it for once or twice and then just yeah. left it at I'd that, say, you know? I'd say I'd say he got over it um, one feature feature of that 99 Leinster final was Ollie Murphy's goal and the ball you gave him it was like a long diagonal ball off the outside of your left and like I mean even the all Ireland final one of the points Graham Garrity got like it was again a real clever diagonal ball off your left from kind of on the left hand side back across the goal and we see a lot of them in the game now but back then that wasn't the norm you were kind of ahead of your time with those diagonal balls 
Yeah, maybe so. You know, I started off with wing forward and you play a certain role there. You're tracking up and back, you're tackling, you're working hard. When you post my third and fourth year, you know, I moved to centre forward and it's a different position. You have to be in that area, you know, and... Uh, you know, when, when we had Ollie Murphy, Graham Garrity, Tommy Dowd in the full forward line, you know, even Colin O'Rourke there in the early years with me and with, with the club, you know, it, it makes sense that you get the ball into those fellas, you know, and um, as kindly as you can, you could give it to Colin anyway, you know, yeah, yeah. Tommy Dowd was good at winning his ball, and fairness, Graham and Ollie were too, but you know, um, like Ollie was a great man, he'd love to play in behind the corner back, and he'd have the hand pointing out, you know, hit it left, and by the time you'd have dropped the ball onto your foot, he'd have the hand pointing to the right, and you'd have <laughs> point one of a second to change your 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 angle on it. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. But, um, but but yeah, I suppose my game evolved into you know trying to get the ball and get it into those fellas as as you know as accurately as you could. And, you know, when they ended up getting goals and scores, you know, then people are saying, oh, gee, what's not a great pass by, by Giles, you know, but sure, if they kicked the wide, there wouldn't have been a word about the pass, you know, so you got a bit of reflected glory from how good those fellas were and, and the scores that they got. Yeah, but even in the All-Ireland final against Cork, like, I mean, Garrity wasn't known for being in the, good in the air, but when it comes in diagonally, even Ollie Murphy, you know, it, it's given them that chance, you know, and I just remember we did a lot of nostalgic games and stuff. There was no diagonal balls going in in the early 90s. It was kind of evolving and I think you were at the forefront of that. Yeah, I didn't realise I, I was, you know. Um, ah, from an early age, my dad would have had me kicking with left and right, you know, and um, just at home kicking with himself in the back garden, you know, from, from when you're a kid and... Uh, I, I suppose it, you know, it was a kind of a natural thing for me. And a brilliant ball winner. Um, it was a massive help for me having John McDermott, you know, around midfield. And to be fair to John, he could catch a ball and, uh, you know, but he'd give it to me, you know. He could have kicked it in himself. Um, right. But very selfless, you know. Um, he just laid off to me. And you know, once I got it, I could do some things with it, you know. But um, certainly, it was, a, it was a big. I wouldn't have had the influence if I hadn't, you know, the likes of John or you know, strong midfielders uh, around me. Yeah, and I suppose even like this, the role of the centre forward in the nineties was like half of it was that getting in under the brakes and making sure you're around that area. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I was pretty good on the brakes, you know. And, uh, the thing, I think, if you look at a lot of footballers, you go to a lot of games and you're watching the way it breaks, you know, that you know, you can learn a bit from it, you know. Um so I, I was quite kinda of good at getting in into those areas. My hands were reasonably quick. Now you could get muscle out of it very easily too at the same time, you know. But um but but that was that was the job, yeah. And um you know, people call it the dirty ball, you know, as if it's like, you know, a very difficult thing to do or a very brave thing to do. It's like, it's not at all. Like, you just, you just get yourself in there and get your hands on it and, you know, try and get out of there if you can or get the ball out of there quickly. Um, what, what, what was your, what was your skill then for winning the breaks? Because I, I was always terrible at winning breaks. Did you come around in front of McDermott or did you go to the sides or did you come across him? You know, like, I mean, I, I never quite figured out how to win the yeah, well, if the ball was kicked to the cork goalie over my head out to midfield, well, chances are it's going to break back to me, you know, rather than break the other side. Um, we didn't have any flicks or any systems that would go left or right. Um, John would be trying to catch it, or, or Nigel Crawford, Jimmy McGuinness, whoever. Um, 
But uh, I suppose like good reaction, you know, you kind of get yourself in the general area and you have to be able to you know, react and it might be a reflex whatever um, a couple of yards left or right um, hands are quick you know um, so uh, you have to have good reactions but you know I would have gone to a lot of games growing up looked at a lot of TV and that you know and uh, I think you know you can learn these games where you know there's a high chance the ball is going to take in that area so um, that's what I'd put it down to yeah. In 1999, you missed a penalty. In 1996, you scored one of the best penalties I've ever seen in an All-Ireland final. You missed a penalty in 01. You missed a penalty in 1997 against Kildare in the replay. Am I missing any other penalties? Am I not giving you any? Yeah, and like, you know, with free kicks, there was very few free kicks I missed, you know, that I should have got or, or pressure ones. Um I missed a couple in my first Leinster final in, in 1994 when I was 19, you know. But but apart from that, I, I was good on freeze that I needed to get. But um, I did score plenty of penalties, but, but you know, there was a lot of high-profile misses, you know. And I suppose I had a favourite corner, and you get known for it after a while. Um, <laughs> I liked, as I was looking at the goals, I liked to go to the right and curl it in, you know. I thought... Yeah. I always found if I was pulling it back to the other side that I pulled it too far and it curled wide, you know. So, um, so look, keepers got on my favourite corner and the one in 99 against Cork, I was just more focused on just to make sure I hit the target. I didn't hit any power. It, it, it bounced three times before Kevin collected it, you know. Um um, the one against Garland the one uh, I didn't I said well I won't make the same place I hit it with conviction and I changed my side no uh, what I had done with other years uh, but just pulled why um, once no regret because I hit it with conviction but uh, I had seen photographs afterwards taken from the goals and the goal would keep up you know uh, he left loads of room on my favourite side, you know, like literally if I had to stuck with my side, you know, right. that was goal, you know, and we're poor that or, you know, but if I had gone that two points in it, was maybe 10, you know, and often got out of games where we weren't the best on them and uh, who knows what would have happened, you know, um, that day if you had, if it got, got a draw or something, got back a replay, um, because having hammered Kerry in the semi-final, you know, myself, a lot of us, we were missing a bit of edge that day in the final that you need. And uh, maybe if you got a replay and got got goal with the next day, different team. But anyway, I suppose everyone is a bet or two on a match to play that one again. You know, yeah. yeah. So yeah, your favourite side was the right-hand side for a right-footed kicker. That's probably technically the more difficult kick. You know, usually you see lads go to penalties is whacking it down into the bottom left. Yeah, well, for me, you know, if you, if you could aim for the right-hand post and then just put a little bit of curl on it, you know, that's a difficult arc for a goalkeeper to get his hands to. Um, where if you're pulling it back to the left-hand side, you're starting it closer to him and, and then it's going away from him. So... Uh, I always felt the danger was you know put too much curl on it and you'd pull it wide so yeah. um, th- that's just what worked for me you know I, suppose I, I hit a penalty a bit like a free kick now you know if you if you hit it just 
straight on with, with power, then that's a different thing, you know. Um, but the penalty nowadays is a bit closer. You know, you shouldn't be missing the penalty nowadays, but even back when when, when I was playing, you know, it's, you know, if you hit it well enough, it shouldn't be saved, you know. Yeah. Low with enough power into a corner, it shouldn't be saved, you know. So... Um, and were, were were you the pen, were you the penalty taker in '96? Because I was watching your late regale, and there seemed to be a bit of confusion about who was going to take that. I, I would would have been, yeah, yeah. Um, would have been scored one against Mayo in the league quarter final in '96 against John Madden, the same goalkeeper. Um, same side again. And uh, no, no, actually went 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 to the other side and went high actually. Um, down in Hyde Park, uh, we lost to, to Mayo in that league quarter final. Um, and the other, and finally went to decide, uh, as you know, I did. And as with John was there, he's putting the hands up, saying, "Gee, uh, I, you know, maybe I thought it was the other side." You know, yeah. um, so um, so uh, scored one in a Sigerson Cup final actually um, the same year, and we had Anthony Finnerty and David Nestor playing uh, from Mayo on that team so uh, I got an odd one now but, but definitely some yeah high profile misses on penalties and yeah yeah that 96 final like I mean in a way winning it in 99 was fantastic because when people think of the 1996 All-Ireland final they think of the row like uh, it's the first thing there's been so much nostalgia that's been done on it and maybe in a, in a weird way it's overshadowed that win um. Yeah. Probably not. Not for me. Anyway. Um. You know, when you look back, taking on it, it over. Terrible. Maybe taking it over. Yeah. Rather than overshadowing. Yeah. Like. You know, at the end of that game, the last minute, Mayo were trying to get an equaliser, and I just remember thinking, like, please, just let me win in All Ireland. You know, whatever we have to do here. You know, and uh, a minute later, the final whistle was blown. You know, and it's it's magnificent feeling. You know, um. When you look back on the footage, the row was terrible. Like it went on for a long time, and there was plenty of action in it, you know. And for an all-Ireland final, it shouldn't have happened, you know. Um, yeah. But like we were young, I was twenty-one at the time. You'd grown up in, in you know, in the eighties, looking at the me teams winning all Ireland. It's, it's all you wanted to do, you know, and you, you'd finally done it. So um, I suppose the ninety-nine one, there was no controversy. There was no row, you know. We, we we won it, you know. I think, wouldn't say convincingly, but you know, we got credit yeah, as the best team that yeah. year. You know, um, and uh, and that was a nice way to do it. You know, um, I think we got seven All Stars that year, and you know, it was. I suppose that was important. We did it that way as well. You know. Yeah, the row went on so long. You even got sucked down into it yourself. You ended up boxed off with Colin McManaman, and not a fella I would be advising to get kind of <laughs> boxed off with in in, in the row. Yeah, like, uh, you know, Peter Ford, who was the Mayo selector, I remember meeting Peter a few months later and he was kind of joking that, you know, that Mayo started the row down the wrong end, you know, that he reckoned their defenders were better <laughs> boxers than their forwards, you know, but, um, yeah, I ended up in the middle of it throwing a few shapes and sure, I'd, I wouldn't say I hurt anyone now. Um, Noel Canelli absolutely flattened me, you know, um, caught me a great one, but like, you know, you just get up straight away, you know, you wouldn't want to be staying on the ground too long anyway, but, but you know, you just got up and, uh, you know, my my feeling was once that row was over, like, and it was only 
10 minutes into the game like there wasn't a thing happened after that everyone had got everything off their chest and it was just down to football after that and uh, you know at half time you weren't saying geez that was a great row or you know it's just your focus on the game and you know you know Pat McEnany people say should have done this should have done that, that you know the game settled down and you know there was no hassle after that well, that was it. And like, I mean, talking about Colin McManaman, the big, obviously, play from your point of view at the end of the, the replay was that you turned him over. You intercepted his hand pass, gave the ball down to Brendan Riley, who scored the winning point. He had a lot to do, in fairness. It was a brilliant score. But Mayo were on the attack then, Trevor. Like, I mean, that was a huge, huge interception at that time. Yeah, yeah. And again, we want to do the other thing that we kind of put at, you know, um, you know, I didn't score many fantastic goals or... or brilliant points you know but but you know it was a good tackler you know I say my hands were, were good and Colin was coming to me you know everyone was tired and, and he just his solo was probably a little bit high and I flicked it, flicked it away from him and, and gathered it um, pass I gave to Brendan was grand I would put him in the corner flag which wasn't brilliant but you know um, yeah things like that give me you know a lot of satisfaction a good tackle um you know, you said they were on the attack and it left us then getting the, the winning score. So, um, but yeah, I'd probably my hand-eye coordination was decent, you know, and that was an element of my game, you know, and you're trying to coach kids now at underage, you know, you're kind of just saying, you know, you know, just tackle with your hands, you know, wait till he hops the ball or solos it and when it's in the air, that's your chance to get in and knock it away and all the better if you can go and pick it up then when it's built. So, um, yeah, that was, that was yeah one of the things I was good at. Yeah, and and did that when did that work rate really come to the fore? Because I know you were saying that the '96 Leinster final was your favourite ever game, and that feature of that game, I think you were wing forward, was a you know a lot of work you were doing that day. Um, is that when you kind of upped the, the work rate in '96? You know, and followed that through. Yeah, so, uh, one of the games I played with me, they only ever got man of the match twice. You know, and, and really. Uh, that, that that's you know the Sunday game used to do. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get a Festina watch, you know, and <laughs> engraved on the back. It was, it was lovely, but I only ever got two of them. But but that was one of them, and uh, you know, I suppose uh, I worked hard that day, um, and that comes from getting beaten the previous year by ten points and having to listen. You know, in college and UCD, listen to a lot of you know people around Dublin. You know, slagging you off and. Uh, you know, we hadn't Colin O'Rourke the following year, so we knew unless we worked really hard, we'd no chance. You know, so I suppose that was my third year playing with Mead, and, and we hadn't won anything. You know, at senior level, um, that as well. I just said, listen, whatever happens, I'm going to work really, really hard. You know, and if, if Dublin beat us, well, then Dublin be walking off with the cup, but they'd be saying, well, your man Giles, at least he, he never give up, or he tried hard. You know, or you yeah, kind of yeah. have to earn people's respect. You know. And, and, that was the stage I was at at that point. So, um, yeah, it's a game I'd love to see again. I've seen some of the old games over. I've actually never seen that one again. But, yeah, I feel I worked really, really hard in that game. Right. Because, like, by your own admission, you didn't play well in the 94-95 Leinster finals um, against Dublin. Now, you were very young coming into a team like that. Were you being a bit hard on yourself or were you expecting too much from yourself? Um, the '95 final, I worked hard actually as well. Um, they were beating me ten points, so so. so but um, 
I, I took some positives from that, that that I worked hard, you know, and even when we were seven, eight, nine points down, I was still showing for kickouts and, and whatnot, you know. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you get beaten by 10 points, you're thinking we are way off the standard here that's required, you know, and you you, you spend the winter, you know, like back in those days, sure, you'd be just doing press-ups and sit-ups, whatever, trying to make yourself stronger, Um there was no gym working in those days. Um, you know, the 94 Lancer final, my first one, I was 19. Yeah, I, was, I, I had done fine in the league that year and in the other Lancer championship matches. But yeah, that was, you know, at the highest level. And uh, yeah, my cheeks were red. I was tired. You know, Mark and Paul Curran, he was a terrific player, you know. Yeah. Yeah, went went away from that thinking. I, not that I played bad, just didn't get on the ball, didn't do anything, you know, didn't contribute in any way. So, um, but yeah, you, you, you go away and say, right, okay, this is what you need to do if you if you want to play at that level and you, you go off and do it. Well, well, that's the thing, I suppose, coming from minor under 21 to the very pinnacle of Dublin, who at that time were the, you know, the biggest team in Leinster and you were, you know, knocking on the door. They took you over. Like, it didn't get any bigger than playing Dublin in the Leinster final. So it was a fairly big level to jump up to from under 21. Uh, it was. And, you know, more than yourself, you've under, you've successed under, under age, you know, and... Uh, that, that's great, you know. So one that we were lucky in me, like I came onto a team where there was a number of leaders there, experienced players. You know, you were just playing wing forward. You just had to do your your own job. You weren't expected to win the game, you know. And that's an, an ideal position to to come into. Um, and in fairness to Sean, he picked me straight away and uh, kept picking me. You know, and never once took me off or never dropped me. You know, um, so. You know, probably should have that year, probably should have been taken off that day. Um, you know, and Johnny probably felt, well, this might affect his fellow's confidence if I take him off. So so he kind of left me on and maybe in the long term he got a, a return on that investment, you know, but playing half forward for me those years, you had either Paul Curran, Keith Barr, Eamon Heary, McDeegan, you know, they're all fully grown men, you know, who, yeah. who knew how to play football, you know, what it was, there was about. There was, so. a, there was a funny one there that you mentioned, Harry, on your Lake Regale, you were running up into some little shamozzle or whatever it was, and he just, he's right behind you, and he says, I'm right behind you, Trevor. I said, don't try anything here, or you're, or you're in trouble. Yeah, like, lift your hand here, and, uh, you know, I could break your jaw if I wanted, because I'm behind you, and I see you, and... Uh, <laughs> Now, like Eamon had a tough reputation. Now, I have to say, he never laid a finger on me. Played it 100% up front, fair and square. You know, um, there was no, no hassle with it. But I, I'd seen enough of him growing up, Mark and David Beggy. You know that you, you're not a fella you mess with. You know, he's yeah. well able to play football, but he could he could play it either way too. Yeah, well, come here. Amanda played with you in those 94 and the 95 games. And Amanda, you know very well, Colm O'Rourke um, joins us on the line now. Colm, how's it going? Great. The weather is beautiful and we're all alive and well and sure things are getting better on the GEA front. So there's very little to complain about. Very, very little. Come here, I suppose you're taking credit for nurturing this man and taking care of him and bringing him up through the ranks and taking care of him in his first two years of senior and two two player of the year is pretty much all you're doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I did it <laughs> single-handedly. Took complete care of him moulded him into the man he is it had nothing to do with his mother and father or sister or club or or teachers in school or anything else it was totally just down to my influence 
I'm, I'm sure all joking aside, Trevor, Colin would have looked after you in 94, 95 when you came in, because I'm sure it was a daunting dressing room to walk into. There was no, 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 nothing to look. He didn't have to be looked after now, I can assure you of that. Yeah, he looked after in 92 and 93 with screen as well, you know. Um, but, uh, no, my dad was the biggest influence on my career. And then after that, you had, you know, Colm and Sean were, were the next two, you know. And, uh, you know, so that funny relationship with Colm initially, because as a kid, you're going to watch screen playing big club matches and, and he's your hero, you know. And then you go and see him playing in Crow Park with Mead, you know, and he's, he's your hero. And, then I went into St. Pat's um, and he was teaching there and uh, if Callum likes you he kind of slides off you know Um, he he doesn't say nice things he's witty about it so um, but by the time 92 came round um, I I joined him on the screen senior team and after maybe 30 years of of trying to win senior championships I helped screen and Callum to win you know their first county, county medal so um. Like I was happy to win the medals for myself, but just knowing how much it would have meant to Colm and lots of other screen players and my own parents and grandparents, you know, uh, screen people died in the war, you know. Uh, it was a massive thing for me to, to make a contribution to that. Yeah, that was huge. I suppose, at what age did you start noticing Trevor, Colm? Like, was he a late bloomer or was he kind of earmarked from very young that he was something special? Uh, he was always special, but he was small. He was quite small when he was at uh, primary school, and I think uh, even at secondary school. I think it. I think Trevor, it was in your later years, you got a bit taller. And uh, like on, I remember the juvenile team in St Pat's. I think you were one of the smallest on it, and quite slightly built. So uh, yeah, I was always developed. I was Mm. I was always kind of good but you know I'd say from about 16 on I started to improve maybe I got a little bit bigger I was never never very big but a little bit stronger but um, I made some progress in 16 and 17 and 18 I was improving every year and was coming into the screen senior team as a great place to progress to meet minor team we got to two All-Ireland you know that's two years of county minor training and playing Ulster League matches uh, against the best Ulster teams and playing challenge matches against the Newry colleges for St. Pat's and that, you know, it was crazy. So I did make good progress um, at 16, 17, 18, yeah. Right, and so when you were smaller then as an underage player, did you play, did the normal thing, would you play corner forward then or did you, were you always out in, in centre half forward, half forward position? Yeah, you like you know, like when you'd be nine, you'd still be playing under twelve, and you'd be eleven, you'd be playing under fourteen. You know, you'd be wing forward or wing back. You know, you'd be out on the periphery a little bit. You know, but suppose they don't do it nowadays. It's underage, you can only play at your own age or one age up. You know, but you know, yeah, be out wing forward, wing back, and kind of keeping out of the way. Colm, he's he's a bit. Is he being hard on himself for his performance in '94, his debut year um, in the Leinster final against Dublin? Yeah, well, I think he was... The first thing, anyway, that uh, you was saying there about Scream, we won the championship in 92. I had played on five losing finals before that, and we wouldn't have won in 92 if he didn't come along. So Trevor has helped, certainly, a crowd of us win our first championship. And he was only 17 at the time. So it's uh, a big expectation then going on to the Mead team at 19-20 and trying to play in Leinster finals against Dublin and I think we all had that uh, learning process and and for him it was basically the same as the rest of us. He certainly didn't play very well in the first few years for me in the 
in the big games, but he made a much bigger contribution, particularly winning the league final against Down in 94 when he was excellent and he was entrusted with taking the freeze too which was a big thing at the time yeah that was a big thing trevor because brent stafford was such a legend and i'm not sure was he on and off the team or did you get did you get the freeze off him yeah just when i started in february 94 um i think uh, playing playing galway and i was wing forward and brian stafford was full forward brian broke a thumb and uh by necessity i got the free taking duties for, for a few weeks um, until Brian was, was recuperating and like it was handy kicking freeze from me in those days because you had Colm or Tommy Dowd in a full forward like they'd get fouled in around the 14 yard line and you'd be tapping over seven or eight freeze <laughs> and like not a word of a lie but there'd be, there'd be none from 55 yards you know um, so you'd, you'd be getting great scores to your name but there wouldn't be difficult freeze and then I suppose when Brian recovered and, and got back on the team because I was getting seven or eight frees, I was still on them and uh, then missed two, two I should have got against Dublin the Leinster final and uh, yeah that was me off the freeze um, after that and, and Brian was the free taker in 1995 and I wasn't practising them at all and right. then Brian in the Leinster final in 95 the first half he went over on an ankle and, and had to go off and next thing I was given the ball for, for three frees in the second half into the hill and I hadn't been practising at all and the first one scraped the top of the crossbar and went over and then I, I got the other two so it was a big day for me to actually score frees into Hill 16 in 95 even though we were beaten by 10 points and I was able to take something from it you know but um, it could have all gone wrong because I hadn't been practising that year but that's unusual that you wouldn't have been practicing together, like even picking Brian's brain. Well, to be fair to Brian, he came, when I was on the Mead Miners, he came down uh, to screen pitch one night and spent an hour with me uh, when I was 17, just with his routine, what what his mindset was, and uh, spent an hour with me. And uh, basically what he told me, I implemented that for the rest of my, my days after that. And... Uh, he was on the senior team at the time. He was his big hero, you know. And uh, so, so the only coach I ever got in terms of free take, and the rest was just I worked it out myself. For myself, my dad worked it out. Um, but um, but no, you you go into park talking yourself on a Wednesday evening with a bag of balls and practice. You wouldn't really as us practice together or anything like that. Um, right. Probably a bit awkward to do that together, you know, if you're kind of. <laughs> Not rivals, you know, you know, but kind of, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Breeding down, yeah. breeding down. I suppose, Colin, you got the the majority of his brilliant passes for screen because you're only with Mead for two years together. I was I was given Trevor the credit for introducing those diagonal balls into into the game on a regular basis. Turns the ball off both feet. Yeah. I always thought I always thought his best uh, place when he, he, his best performances for screen were from centre back, and I think. Uh, there was some place that he didn't get an opportunity to play with me because he was playing me with me but it was thought that maybe uh, half back line would have been a better position for him and an even bigger influence but his ball at the time meet forwards and those two finals that was, I think that Ollie Murphy and Graham Garrity and got great scores and often goals but if Spoon back a little bit on the tape, you find that the ball that got came from Trevor a lot of the time. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I mean, he was, you could win it anyway, so you could, you were probably uh, getting balls down on top of you, whereas Trevor was able to put it left and right. Yeah, well, Martin O'Connell used to decide that he was going to put them down on top. <laughs> he, he would he, he would see, would, would there be snow on it coming yeah. down? That, that, was was a, that was a feature of Martin. We've did, done some nostalgia games. That was a, Martin O'Connell just launched every ball that he won. He won a great ball and then just, it went. Oh, yeah, yeah. He decided that he, once once he got it, he was entitled to do it. So, but Trevor was a bit more subtle in, in the ball that he would give. And uh, obviously, the lads inside, if you're in the full forward line, you profited from that sort of accuracy, the diagonal ball, and it came at a, a perfect angle too if you were out in front. Yeah. Do you, could you sense the changing of the guard then, Colin? Well, there obviously was a changing of the guard with the good minor teams under 21. In 94-95, Sean was trying to filter them, filter them in. Yeah, well, we got to hammer in 95. Yeah. Uh, Dublin beat us by 10 points. I was 37 or 38 at the time, so I was washed up anyway. But Staff and Bernie and a few more, Bob O'Malley, I think, were, we were all sort of, so the, the, basically was the last remnants of 87, 88 uh, were washed out in uh, 95. So that was the end of the line. And then Sean came along and, and built a new team, which was, an amazing achievement, and I, I always said that there, there was more uh, that the best players that played from for, in the country at that time they were nearly all playing for me. If you took Darren Fay and Garrity and Mark O'Reilly and John McDermott and Trevor and Ollie Murphy, like uh, and Graham at full forward, like they were the best at that time in the country. So Mead had fun individual players. Yeah, and we were just talking with Trevor there about that 96 Leinster final. Trevor was saying it's his favourite um, game uh, with Mead. And, like, I mean, that would nobody would have given Mead a chance that year at all. And it was a game for the development of that team. They may not have won as much afterwards if they didn't win. But they, and I think that match was either way. It was a fairly tight match. And... Uh, Mead developed from that and uh, obviously won in 86. The Mead team of 99, I thought that Trevor was on. I thought that was a really excellent team. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Come here, Trevor, you were talking about winning everything when you were young. You were 21 and 24 when you won your All-Irelands. Um, I suppose Colm was at the other end of his career. You were you were saying you would prefer, as it turns out, to win them later in your career, career rather than early. Yeah, that might maybe sound a funny thing to say, um, but... I suppose my my county career petered out a little bit, you know. I suppose last two years we we uh, got beaten by Fermanagh, you know, uh, one in Clonus, one in, in Enniskillen, you know, and it just petered out. And at that stage, you know, my uh, my play was was disimproving. The team was probably not as good as it used to be. Um, modern methods had taken over in their man Tyrone, and, and we were suddenly behind behind other teams and in, in the way we were approaching things. So so yeah, Mike clear kind of petered out, uh, really. Um like don't get me wrong, I was delighted to have the success I did, you know, but if you were to to choose it, you kinda have a few close ones for a few years and then finish up winning a few at the end, you know, and go out on a, a real big high. You know, maybe a like Peter Canavan might have done it or you know, but that's only a small thing you're saying, what way would you like to have won your All Ireland, you know? Yeah, but exactly. Someone exactly. asked me that once and I kinda of said that was the way I'd 
preferred have done it, you know. Yeah. I don't know, I think, I think I'd like to say in politics uh, column, without interrupting you, the famous thing in politics, all political career end in failure, and it's nearly always the same with sport, isn't it? It's yeah. It's rare that a person gets to choose to go out uh, on a high. Yeah, I'm sure there's... Yeah, I'm sure you would probably prefer to win the Mayorly column because you had the opposite experience. And you, I suppose you want what you, di- what, you, what you didn't have. Like, I mean, imagine the pressure you were under not having won one before 87. No, but I can understand Trevor's point of view. I, I'm yeah. glad that it went the way it did for me to win them at the end because it certainly molds you as a person to more the fact that you have experienced a lot of defeats along the way. And I think that in some regards, there's no harm for a person to taste defeat before you get success because the other way around you know you, you can go off maybe a little, with, with some regrets but from my point of view I, even though we ended up losing I think two Leinster finals the last two I played in we lost so, but it was a nice way I was 30 before I played in the All-Ireland final I hadn't played from years at that stage so it was a good way and it was also very nice to play with fellas who had experienced similar failures uh, and then come up with the goods at the end with Jerry McEntee and Mick Lyons and Liam Hayes and Joe Castles and people like that that I'd have had a massive respect for. So it was nice to see them speak. Come here, before you go, Colm, I know you're under pressure there. Um, I have to ask you about the 91 final and not being able to play and then playing so bloody well when you came on. Were you just like a, like a bull in a china shop watching it from the bench and you know, or do you think, looking back, you should have started? Well, Jeff <clears throat> McIntyre and uh, Jack Finn, who was our team doctor, were very, very dubious about me playing at all. And they would be the sort of people who would have said, if your leg was broken, yeah, you're sure you can play. So, like, I had very bad pneumonia in the week leading up to the match. Like, with the benefit of hindsight, I think I uh, could have played a bit longer, but... You know, that's that that's the hand we were dealt with at the time and maybe we could have played it better. But uh it was funny things. Nick Lyons got injured before half time and I said something to dress to him at half time. It's funny the way people think he's highly organized and they said to make sure if you come off I go on. Nick says <laughs> more to play on. Life hearted moment and as a certain as Nick wasn't able to play on and had to come off. So, right. Uh, I could have gone on a bit earlier, all right, but uh, I think Alan Brown then had to go on for Mick. So it was just funny the way things turned out. It would have been nice to win it. And it, it certainly, like, you know, we all look back on matches that we'd like to have won, and I suppose that's the one that got away. Yeah, definitely. I said Bernard Flynn would have put his hand up to get you on a little bit earlier as well. Yeah, well, Bernard, of course, playing with Bernard and Brian in the full forward line we've played so many years together there we, we we knew each other so well and he was brilliant in the final that day I think Bernard scored five points from play yeah. it was probably his best performance so uh, it didn't need much extra but like Ben has an excellent team too and we should never forget that like Greg Blaney Mickey Linden James McCartan and their forward line was as good as ever played in Crow Park they were they were Colin come here thanks very much I know you're under pressure there we let you go and it was nice to be on with the, the I have to say, the best couple of items I've played with it. So thanks very much. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Colin. Okay, we actually, we uh, we lost that compliment, did we, Trevor? <laughs> I don't think yeah. I did. <laughs>
Typical Colin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the best player that's ever played for Beep, <laughs> maybe it was Screen or Mead, we're not sure. I would say Mead. Screen under nines, probably. Um, <laughs> but that but that was it. Like, I mean, I suppose given into a full forward line of Flynn, Stafford and O'Rourke would, wouldn't be a... a, 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 a uh, would be a nice job as well, Trevor. Mead have been lucky with full forward lines, I suppose. Yeah, and you, you know, and I suppose that was, I suppose, the, the difference between then and maybe now. Just if if the current team just had, you know, a couple of those real, real top, top inside forwards make a massive difference, and you know, it, it gives the rest of the team great confidence. You know, if if you're out the field and you you say, well, we've such and such inside, like if we get the ball into him, you know, on his day he he score no matter who's marking him. You know, and it gives the team a great bit of hope and a bit of confidence. So, um, you know, and it's hard to know can you coach these players or, or do these players just come along? You know, yeah. um, you know, uh, I'm probably thinking more they just come along, and and we were just lucky that a number of them came along over twenty years. You know, and. Uh, you need that for for success, you know. Do you ever think of yourself in the modern game, Trevor? Because like nowadays, there's not so many breaks because a lot of the kickouts go shorter to the wings, you know. And then you're obviously talking about sweepers, so your your initial long ball might not always be on. Like the '90s football suited your game perfect. Like I'm not saying if you're playing now, you'd evolve and be a different, you know, brilliant player. But do you ever think of putting yourself into the modern game or how you would enjoy it? Oh, absolutely, I do think, Colm, um, and. You know, like uh, I benefited. You only had one person marking you. You know, um, and, and you had space in the forward line. And and you know, life would be more difficult um, nowadays. There's no doubt. Um, but but at the same time, you know, you're looking for uh, players now that'll break down a blanket defence or unlock a defence. You know, and you know, you you would get the ball handed to you because a team would retreat and, you know, you'd come out with the ball, Mead would come out with the ball and there'd be hand passed here and there and you'd get on the ball and you'd get your chance to, you know, it'd be more maybe with a hand pass or a little dinked foot pass. Um, So I I do think there would be a role for me in the modern game. You know, it'd be a different role, you know, and as much as you talk about blanket defences, there's still loads of games I go to and, you know, a fella just looked up, there's a long ball on, you know, yeah. there really is, you know, no, not for very long, but it's still on if fellas would just look up, but there's just, I suppose, the, the, the habits nowadays with a lot of fellas, the first thing is just to stop and turn back, you know, and you've you've some genius behind you calling for the ball by the time you get it, you know, so you don't even look forward because someone is calling for it and you automatically turn back to him, so... Um, so I think there is still room for that early long ball given in to a good forward but um, yeah no, you'd have a different role in the modern game but I think, I think we might be seeing that coming game. yeah we might be seeing it coming back slowly isn't that it maybe a little bit more that that early ball um, might be on but I, I agree that the players that don't even look up I don't I can't understand their kind of thought process at all it doesn't make sense come here the 2001 semi-final so you hammered Kerry and then, it, like, I mean, it's in a, in a weird way, like, I mean, that wasn't an old me team. Like, I mean, it was still a relatively young me team and you destroyed Kerry and you were hot favourites to go in against Galway in the final and you lost that badly. And you never recovered from that, Trevor, did you? Um, never recovered. No, no. The following year, we, we had Donegal in, in a, around four of the qualifiers and we, we lost by two points. Um, we nearly got a goal at the very end, you know, and went up to Fermanagh and got ambushed, you know, by an up-and-coming Fermanagh team. Um, 
and then fellas started drifting away from the team, just just whatever they did. I suppose you know when you when you've won a couple of All Irelands and uh, you know it, it's suppose it's easy to say yeah I've I've, I've done my bit here I've done enough you know um, yeah myself I, I played twelve years for me that that's the plus two years full years at County Minor you know so I felt I'd fourteen years done and I'd given everything to it you know so. Um, yeah, it's also myself. Yeah, I felt at that stage there was a huge amount of pressure on me to play really, really well because the team needed me to play really, really well. You know, and you you just weren't as you know as good as you were, and you were getting marked tightly. And uh, you know, you have to say there was now would have been under huge pressure. I put myself under huge pressure, um, and it's supposed to come to the point where you say, oh, I think I've I've had enough. You know, and. I really enjoyed then. I played another eight years with with screen, you know, and I really enjoyed, you know, less pressure, you know, um, it was more easy going, you know, and uh, you could enjoy your football for a number of years. And I was delighted I had screen to go back to. I think if you just finish county football and you 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 come to a full stop, you know, that's a difficult one to to, to handle, you know, or if you're if your club is maybe maybe junior club, you're not playing at a high standard, it's a big fall off, you know. So I was lucky you were still playing at a high enough level for the eight years or so. Yeah, outside of that, because like you must have won county titles with Screen with three or four different teams. You know, you spanned nearly 20 years with county titles for them. Yeah, yeah, we did, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we won five over 20 years and we lost two finals. Um, so winning five out of seven was was a good return. Um, uh, we, we had a game with yourselves, of course, in, in, in a Leinster final in 2004. Yeah. Um, I was midfield that day and I spent a lot of time trying to get back to help our full back slow you down. But I never got back <laughs> enough to, to do that. You, you had a good game yourself that day. But... Um, yeah, the Leinster Club, well, that's that's one medal I'd, I'd love to have, you know. Um, we, we probably had a chance in 1999, the year we won the All-Ireland. I was probably at my best. John McDermott was at his best. But we won the Mead Championship that year, but it was too late to enter the Leinster Club because uh, we'd been in Australia in October and we just didn't get a chance to enter Leinster that year. Right. not saying we would have won it, but I think that was the chance. The screen has never won a Leinster Club. And, uh, you know, that's... Just the one thing you'd love a Leinster club medal, um, but listen, we're, we're we're happy enough. I think you, I think you'd be happy enough. Yeah, I'll swap you one if you if if uh, if you want. It's in a weird way you lost to Leash in '04 in the championship, and then you lost to Port Leash in the in the club that year. It's like I mean your 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 last game or your last. Well, it wasn't your last year with Mead, was it? You played '05 and you were injured for that whole year. I played the league in 05 and I then I dislocated a shoulder just before the first round of the championship against Dublin and uh, I just didn't get back for the the, the championship that year and uh, yeah I, I basically I suppose I found uh, with that injury I'd worked really really hard on the cruciate ligament recovering from you know any other injury I had and I just discovered with the dislocated shoulder I just wasn't putting the same work in and sort of dawned on me my hunger had kind of waned a little bit and I suppose I was working hard in the physio clinic at the time we were starting to build a house here and you just needed to pay bills and you needed to, to work harder and I found myself landing into training after a hard day's work and you were just exhausted you know and you kind of know when you have enough no training. yeah you know when you have enough of it really don't you yeah there was a number of reasons and they all added up and 
I was, I was happy enough. Yeah, I made the, the right decision. Yeah, for me. Yeah. And and I presume Colin Coyle tried to get you back then because he got Darren Fay to come back. Um, was it 07 He came. He he started as manager. He did. Yeah, yeah. I missed the year. Eamon Barry took over from Sean. I didn't play that year. And then Colin did ask me the following year, and I, I stuck to to me line. Now. I often wondered after, maybe if he'd asked me again or, or come back a bit stronger, I might have, because I had a great time for Colm. Um, but um, at, the, at the same time, no, I, I knew myself. Um, a little bit of hunger just wasn't there. Um, you know, I, I suppose I, I felt nearly my last couple of years at Mead, if Sean had dropped me or taken me off, um, it would have been a bit of a kick up the backside or just something, you know, I just might have got a little bit more out of myself the last couple of years, but he, he was so good to me. He, he never did that, you know, and um, I just, I just felt, you know, maybe some of that might have made a difference, but, um, but no, no, I say for the reasons I outlined there, I, I made my decision and yeah, no, kind of happy enough. I stuck with it. Um, come here, to, to just one, it was a comment that you made. You were player manager for Screen for a couple of years and um, you said, I suppose I learned really that fellas are kind of in the game for themselves primarily, which is fair enough. It's a team game, but it probably comes down to yourself playing first and then being part of a winning team. And I always thought that, I, I don't know, the quote just kind of struck a chord with me because, I, do, I don't know, I always played for, for myself and my own enjoyment. I don't know if that's a selfish thing to say or not, but for me, if I wasn't enjoying it, I was a waste of time being there. So for me, I came first always and the team came second. And like, I don't have a great record of lots of dropping off panels and all. I don't know if that's the right mindset or the wrong one. Yeah, well, I suppose if if you said to me, would you prefer for me to play brilliantly and lose? Well, I get more satisfaction from playing brilliantly and losing if the team lost than me playing terrible and the team winning. You know, if I played yeah. poorly, it'd, it'd be hard on myself, you know, so... So it's my own personal performance probably came first. But I suppose if I played well, it was a better chance the team was going to win, you know. But um, yeah. I suppose I never really spent much time as a sub in in my, in my career. And uh, when you're sort of player manager and you're maybe dropping a fella or substituting a fella, or you know, it was kind of new territory for me. Um, you know, I remember in one of the championship matches with the club, we were a few points up and... Uh, one of my players had been injured with an ankle injury, but he told me he was right, you know. So I said, right, bring this fella on now, you know, get a bit of game time into him. And uh, he didn't do well when he came on, you know. And the guy was taken off. I was at Mass the following day and it comes to shaking hands with the person beside you to sign a piece. His aunt was behind me and she wouldn't shake hands with me because I was after <laughs> taking him off. <laughs> yeah, this, this is hard. They're going. Um, the outside manager doesn't ever have to put up with that now. Um, but um, I, le- I learned a lot. You know, it's a difficult thing to be player manager and, and to be still playing. You know, and uh, uh, I did it for a year, and then Liam Harnan came into the club, and in the second year we won the championship, and I played well for Liam. You know, so right. Um, you know, yeah. I, I said, I said more for playing. 
Yeah, but I'd say player manager, like you're in the heat of battle, you're trying to focus on your own game and then you're trying to, you know, see who's coming on and coming off. Like, I mean, how, how did you work that? Did you trust the selector to make a change or did you, ha- you know, keep it on yourself? To- uh, yeah, no, I had good fellas with me. I had my dad with me as well, you know, and it's always something you're trying to pick a team and you're, you're trying to fit everyone in. And I ended up putting myself corner forward or wing forward just so we could put other fellas in their better position. And, uh, you know, you know, I'd say someone else would have put me centre forward, midfielder somewhere, you know, and then I would have played better, you know. I get you. Um, but um, I thought it was just coming from the county set up to the club, you know, and you want things done really well. And I felt I could, you know, have a real good setup there for the club. And then the setup was, was good, but just in terms of picking teams and making substitutions and all that, you know, it's. It, uh, I think I'm maybe more cut out for playing and just managing myself than managing 25 fellas. Well, either one or the other, playing or managing, but not playing and managing, I suppose. You really bit off, you bit off a lot there, in fairness. Yeah. There's no um, doubt about that. And I remember two years after that, we won the championship, you know, and, and the captain, when he was lifting the cup and he was complimenting Liam Harnan and rightly so, but he kind of said, like, for a couple of years, we were going nowhere as a club, you know, and I said, oh, thanks very much. <laughs> But uh, I don't think he was really having a go at me, but he was kind of saying, you know, we played really well this year under Liam, and, and we did, you know. Brilliant. And geez, I'd like to have seen your face when, when he was saying that. I'd say, like, obviously, it, an innocent comment. I'd say your face dropped. Yeah, yeah. But I know we're, we're good about it. Okay. Right, come here. We'll come back with 10 questions, Trevor, to finish up. Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that D we're at home by where Bernard, I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient. But this little dink ball, you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken out, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest, and there's consternation then in around the D and in around that area. Watch for this in the semis and the final. Do you know the one I'm talking about? That little fisted ball that's just bound in a in a crowded area, but it gets to the, the yeah, body. You, you have said it three times. It's in around it. But you're looking at me. You're looking <laughs> well, out at me. Of a crowded with, area, isn't you're it? looking <laughs> at me with such a confused air, a confused head in you. It's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there. In a crowded area. Yeah. Watch for it. All right, so 10 questions around Trevor. If you weren't playing for me, this is number one. If you weren't playing for me, what county would you like to have played for? In the 90s, uh, Derry, um, they, had, they had a serious set of defenders, uh, Anthony Toll at midfield. They'd only won one All-Ireland, but they won the league four times and we could never beat them in the league. And it was always a hard day's work playing against any of those Derry defenders. So they were probably maybe a little bit short in, in, in the forward line. So... Uh, might have got me, me place on that team <laughs> a little bit more maybe okay that's a good answer um, number two your worst ever game for the seniors now I suppose um, I'd say the worst one was a, a qualifier match in Navin against Loud and we were terrible and I was terrible and we got two late goals to win it by a point in about five minutes of, of extra time Graham oh, got yeah. the, the, the winning goal and We'd be beaten by Dublin the week before and Sean and we tried some new tactical thing and it completely didn't work for us and yeah, I started badly and couldn't get into the game and yeah, no, that was shocking, shocking performance for me, yeah. Okay, number three, your most difficult opponent. Um, uh, from it, Hank Trainer in, in training with Mead was the most difficult opponent. Hank was very quick over the first few yards very, very tight. He could nip forward and get a score. Um, but Hank in training was the one fella you, you didn't want to be, to be marking you. 
Right. Okay, that's an interesting one. Did it? I th- yeah, well, he was playing in 04. I think Ross Munley gave him a bit of a roast, and but maybe he was getting a bit older um, at that time. Yeah, but any meat forward of that era, Hank was the once in train you didn't with Mark, and he was really, really tight. Right, right. Okay, number four. If you could sign one player for me during your time, who would it be? I think Seamus Moynihan was one of the best players in the country when I was you know, in the 90s and played for UCC centre-back. He'd be coming forward, but he could defend. He could play anywhere in the defence. To me, he was just a terrific footballer. So, Seamus Moynihan for me. Very good. Number five, your favourite position and your best position? I think centre-half-back was my favourite position, um, particularly when in my early 20s when I was mobile, fit. Um, you know, it's place, if you have a good midfield in front of you, um, you can read the play, you can influence it, you can help your other defenders totaling up. Um, played there with UCD and Kieran McManus was midfield for us and he was only young at the time and he'd keep an eye on the centre forward for me and, and I could play my game and uh, yeah, especially in those really tight college pitches, you know, you're, you could really yeah. influence the game. So centre back for me. And your best position, same. Yeah, at that age, in my early 20s, centre-back would have been my best position, I think, yeah. All right, the hardest or dirtiest player you've marked? You get into trouble with this one. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I just said, the dirtiest blow I ever got, uh, it was in the winter of 95, I was playing for UCD in a challenge match against Dublin, up in Belfield, and a Dublin referee, and stupid me for playing in that game I was the only Mead man on the, the UCD team and uh, I cleared the ball out of defence and about five seconds later I got an awful elbow in the jaw from some Dublin forward and I thought my jaw was broken now and uh, Dublin referee nothing I think we might have got a free for it but there was nothing done to the culprit now but but I could say that was nearly the only really really dirty belt I ever got in my career now Really? Day. Even in club football in Mead? Like, I mean, no, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it would be known for kind of hard football. You know, and I Mark Liam Harnan and Kevin Foley and, and, you know, these fellas in club matches, they wouldn't lay a finger on you, you know. Um, right. you, know you get an odd lay tackle or someone might say something to you, but in terms of a dirty player. Yeah. Um, I remember playing Leash in an under-21 game. Oh, God, yeah, 94. Do, there was a fella booked before the game for standing on my toes in the national anthem but like you know it was no apart from that belt I got against Dublin in a challenge match I couldn't say I marked a dirty player you know no. that night that 94 Leicester final there was no prisoners taken that day anyways that I remember I remember I would, wasn't I was too young for that but I remember being at it that was a tough game yeah there was extra time there was a replay there was about five sent off potentially <laughs> you know um yeah, that was yeah, that was that was action in that one, all right. Um, oh, there definitely was. There definitely was. Number seven. What advice? What's the best advice a manager ever gave you? Well, I think just Sean Boyle and would kind of just say, "Listen, just get on with things." You know, whether the other team scored two goals early on, or if you get a man sent off, or if your tongue is hanging out, you just get on with it. You know, and. Uh, I think it's great advice, you know, like don't be complaining, don't be standing there with your hands out, you know, saying the ball wasn't great, you know, just, just get on with things. And uh, I'd hear myself saying that to my own kids or kids I coach, you know. 
Right, OK, because one thing that jumps into my mind there is Bernard Flynn is after getting a dreadful launched ball off Martin O'Connell and it goes over the end line and Bernard Flynn doesn't even put his hands up to give out or anything. He just he gets on with it. So maybe that was the advice Sean Boylan gave everyone. Yeah, I think it's it's good advice. You know, just just get on with things, you know. Yeah, yeah OK. Number eight, player you most admired from another team? I think apart from Seamus Mine and Peter Canavan was the other Real, real top player of of my my era, and uh, always tightly marked from a young age. Um, wasn't a big man, you know. The Australians tried to rough him up, and and he didn't take a backward uh, step, you know. So, uh, ter- terrific player, Peter Canavan, absolutely. Okay, um, number nine. What other manager would you like to have played under? I presume for me, for me, it's at senior level. Uh, for me, I suppose for probably Colin O'Rourke. Um, if you know, if it wasn't Sean, you know, um, I suppose Colin had had you know success with the Ireland team in in um, ninety ninety eight ninety nine, you know, and had some success with Town and success with St Pat's uh, Secondary School in Avon, you know, winning All Ireland. So um, I would say say Colin, um, if if it wasn't Sean, yeah. Okay, number 10, um, last one. Where do you keep your medals, your all-stars, your old jerseys, your cut-off jerseys, all your memorabilia and awards? Um, I just went up to the hill of Tower and dug a hole and put it all in there. <laughs> um, X marks the spot. Um, it's, it's got a thing with medals. You know, I showed them to the kids there one day and for about 10 seconds they went, oh God, that's brilliant, yeah. And then that was it, you know. Um, the funny thing's medals, you know, if you... Hang them up at home, your house might get robbed. You know, uh, yeah. if you put them in the bank, no one ever gets to see them. You know, I often think, of, you know, if you win the Super Bowl in the American football, you get a, a ring to wear, you know, a, a special ring. And it's a more functional thing than a medal. You know, you can actually wear this around every day. You know, whereas the medal, you, you, you just put it somewhere. Um, it's great to have it, you know, and to have won it. But um, I often think it could be a more functional thing you could get than a, just a medal. Yeah, your All Star Awards surely are on the mantelpiece. Uh, all Star Awards are in the what's it called the piano room in the house. Yeah, just on the mantelpiece and uh, plenty of dust on them. <laughs> Any jerseys up around the house, or are you in, or are you into framing jerseys or anything like that? No jerseys framed. No, uh, I did through the attic there during the the lockdown. I spent a week up in the attic and I. All the old gear and all the stuff you get when you're on a county team, polo shorts, um, you know, socks, shorts, um, you get way too much stuff. Um, so it's all up in the attic, all the jerseys I swapped, all the, the ones I kept. Uh, I know where they are, but yeah, they're up in the attic and they're probably musty and sweaty and the old woolly heavy jerseys you know so I don't think anyone's yeah. ever going to wear them you might send me down a, a, a sleeveless uh, one Trevor Giles one there some sometime for, for <laughs> my birthday or something yeah. well, well that one is in the GA museum actually in, in Crow Park so that, is that, it that's where that's where that one is at the moment anyway yeah very good very good well clear I'm not going to keep up any more of your time uh, Trevor it was an absolute pleasure watching you playing and playing against you the odd um, the odd time thanks very much for doing the show I'm very welcome enjoyed that all the best I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh 
and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for ten years. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.